Welcome to Episode 32 of the Painting Experience Podcast. Listen as founder Stuart Cubley explores the potential of the emerging field of process arts and shares inspiration from his ongoing workshops and retreats. Many of us have a dedicated practice, whether it's meditation, painting, yoga, writing, or something else we regularly do. But what happens when our practice goes stale, and how can process help us find our way? I think we're all very used to the concept of having a practice, and it's become rather endemic to our modern way of life, especially for people who are on a path of exploration, is that we have a practice, whether it's a meditation practice or a yoga practice or a movement practice of some sort or a writing practice or any kind of creative practice. Our lives, in many ways, are organized around our practices. And, of course, these are very helpful. They provide a sense of order, a basic sense of sanity, a way in which we stay in touch with ourselves, and to ground ourselves in a practice just feels sane. And in a way, it brings us back to our sense of wholeness. But at the same time, we're all familiar with those moments when our practices go stale, and they seem to lose their dimension and seem to lose their ability to bring us to a place of more connection with ourselves and with the creative process in general. They get old, and we start to resist them, and we start putting in our time, and we start feeling like we want to get through it. I think we're all familiar with these moments, and so it's interesting to ask the question, what is really going on here? What happens when practice turns sour? What is the mechanism internally? What, what do I need to pay attention to? Because we're tempted often to either abandon our practice or doubt it or feel like it's not something that's good for us. And then we get very confused and we stop utilizing the benefits of the practice, we lose contact with the real meaning of our practice. So it is interesting to ask this question here, is this part of the practice itself that we lose contact with that greater dimension that the practice is pointing us towards? And in the painting experience, this becomes especially poignant because it's immediate. This loss of inspiration and loss of contact with the creative source is reflected back to us immediately when we make the practice more important than the process. And I think this is really the key. Do we put the practice before the process, or do we put the process before the practice? For example, in the painting experience, there's the whole spectrum of interpretation and meaning-making. And of course, the mind does this. There's no way to stop it. It just happens. You're painting along, and something shows up, and perhaps there's imagery, or maybe not. But then the mind starts to come up with meaning, and you think, oh, I see what this is, and this is happening because of this, and then there's this relationship going on, and there's a meaning that's spun by the mind. And as I say, this is inevitable. This is the kind of the work of the mind. It's the function of the mind. We don't try to stop that. But there's a certain turning point that often happens 
the mind can take over, and that the meaning then precedes the process. We project the meaning and we say, okay, so now I know what's happening, therefore this is where it's going to go, and this is what I need to do next in order to. And so we're doing something in order to. And then the meaning has preceded the process. And very quickly, we start to feel disappointed. And we start to feel like trudging. We're in trudging mode. And now we've got to fulfill the meaning we projected. And by the way, it's not looking the way we expected or wanted anyway now. It doesn't even look like this thing that I'm trying to create. And we get all tangled up with this projection. The process has now been subjugated to this idea. And that's backwards. It doesn't work. The creative idea is wild. It can't be captured. It can't be something that you put in a box and then perform. It's not meant to be performed. And as soon as we try to perform it, of course, it just goes dead. There's no life left in it. So the question is, is this what's going on in a more broad sense, in a more general sense, with practices in general? Is this part of the challenge of having a practice, after all, that we meet these dead points, that we put the practice before the process, and then a concept of where the practice is going to take us, and what we're going to get out of the practice, and how we're going to be improved through doing this practice, and as soon as we do that, then we start resisting the practice. <laughs> the practice starts becoming burdensome and something then we have to do, but it's good for us. So we're going to do it and we have to buckle down and our space gets very, very limited. Something gets really lost. It becomes way too small and it's not fun anymore. In my experience, there's no way around it. It's not like, okay, I'm going to be pure process because I know the ramifications of that and I'm a process kind of guy. I'm going to stay in process. Good luck with that because the very nature of the human condition is that we project. We want to know ahead of time. We want to take over. We don't want to completely give up this sense of individuality that knows where it's going and what it's about and what it's going to get out of the situation. So, at a certain point, the mind takes over and challenges us, projects a goal. And then, because of that projection of the goal, the ramifications of that projection become evident in our experience. And we find ourselves becoming limited, becoming constrained, becoming less interested, less present. There's less of a quality of presence in our experience because we've now created a duality. We've created this place where we're supposed to get to and where this practice is going to take us. And that, of course, presupposes where we are now. And where we are now is different from where we think we're going to be getting to. And so there's this measurement. There's this quality of measurement. A very interesting quote from Krishnamurti. A mind that's capable of measurement is a mind that's capable of illusion. And this is played out in the painting experience. As soon as we set ourselves up with any kind of measurement, which comes out of projection, we find ourselves caught in illusion, tangled with ourselves, and with seemingly no way out. 
because we're not getting what we wanted, but we don't know how to get what we wanted, and we don't like what we're doing, and then we're tempted to abandon, and we're tempted to react, and to even destroy. There's this challenge that any kind of practice is going to face us with, and I think understanding the very nature of it really helps us to let go. And essentially that's what's required, right, is, is to let go I've got a good friend, he says, let go of the let go. Because even the concept of letting go can become another goal, and we have to let go of that too. But there's a moment in which we face the fact of our own limitation. And this may be the essential nature of a practice after all. The practice can't take us to a place which is beyond the practice. The process is a priori and it's unlimited. That place that the process can take us to is not defined by the practice. The practice is not going to take us there. But the practice can point out to us the limitation that we're imposing. It can bring us to the creative block that then provides the key. Because the very blockage that we reach, the very point of, all right, there's no way I'm going to get what I want. This is not where I want to go. It's not happening. There's a moment of truth-telling there if you're willing to take it. There's a moment of potential surrender there. You have to give up the goal. You have to give up where you think you want to get to. You have to give up the very conception of the practice that you're involved in. You have to give up your very definition of it and what you think you're doing it for. And in that moment, there's something real. There's an authentic reality of yourself in recognizing you're not getting what you want. This is a dropping down. This is a coming home. And interestingly enough, as soon as you do that, lo and behold, a door opens. Lo and behold, having let go of where you thought you were supposed to go, a door opens to another place. And it's beyond your conception of where you thought you were going, so it's exciting. It's unknown. And it's very often timeless as well, because the very practice of projecting a goal and then trying to get there involves time. And you feel burdened by time. Time feels long. You're not getting there, and you should be there by now. And you feel the weightiness of time. Whereas when this door opens, when you finally bottomed out and let go and realize you're not happening, but here you are, you're still here. It's not happening, but you're still here, so let's see what this is all about. All of a sudden, it's timeless. There's no more getting somewhere, and therefore there's no more weightiness of time. And there's a very interesting new thing happening, and what is this? And look, the brush seems to know where it wants to go. And I notice I'm finding myself more interested in the formation now of the painting. And there's a very new spirit. There's a very new me as well. There's a sense of myself which is radically different than that sense that was limited by the projected goal. I see this as inherent to the practice. Any practice that's self-reflective, that is meant to bring you back to yourself and engage that greater dimension is going to bring you to the point of having to let go of the practice. It's kind of the paradox of the practice and the process. The practice can't take you to the process, but you can't get to the process without the practice. 
<laughs> you can learn more about the painting experience and find a list of upcoming process painting workshops by visiting our website at www.processarts.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. The theme music for this podcast comes from Stefan Jacob. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join us again soon.